to seeing you guys. Today, we have a privilege of having uh, Dan, uh, Dan Mua. I'm going to drop this mic down to my size. And uh, thank you so much, Pastor Aiden. I know that uh, in this church here, uh, Brother Charles or Pastor Charles has been a good uh, seasonal friend of mine. Seasonal in the sense that during the pandemic, we didn't, we didn't get to host their family and the two little girls of his. But he's pretty much the only person I know uh, from this congregation. But in Christ, I believe we're all brothers and sisters. Amen. Uh, it's my privilege just to take this opportunity to just uh, uh, have this platform, not just to preach and speak God's word to us, but I think uh, more, more importantly, when uh, the assignment, assignment was called to me to see if there is availability or basically do I have availability, uh, my short answer is yes, because I know that the Lord's calling is not just my calling. The Lord's calling is your calling and, and ours together too, and that puts a part into where each, every one of us has an opportunity to edify one another, and I hope that this week will be an edifying week to all of us through the Word. Now, I, I normally pick up the mic and walk back and forth and all that stuff, but I'm going to do my best to stay in one position, so, so it allows that cameraman to stay in one position. Um, but I've been married for 23 years, and my beautiful family decided to come, and I definitely uh, I, I love that when I have this a crowd always following me to support me in my ministry. Um, occasionally, it's you know it's in locally, so it was easier for them to to come by. Otherwise, it's it's usually me and my wife out there. So I'm happy that my family and uh, children uh, they're here to support, and not just support, but also listen to the word of God as uh, the word guides us. Today, I, I want to share to you um, a very unique. Topic, right? And that topic is not really unique in the sense that the storyline is unique, but it's unique in a sense where I named this sermon Nicodemus's version of John 3.16. Now, I'm not going to have the whole thing PowerPoint, so you're just probably going to end up seeing the whole title right there uh, because I really believe in the preacher and his word. So I told uh, Pastor Aiden that uh, we'll just do the good old-fashioned, the preacher and the word. And so with that being said, let me pray for us, and then we'll uh, go to the, the word today. Father, we thank you for the privilege and the life breath that you give us just to live another day for you. May your word point to your glory. May it edify us, build us, sharpen us, so that we can walk in your ways and we can hold up to your truth. We lift this word to you so that we can eat it with spiritual nourishment to our soul. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So today's message is John 3.16. And if you have your Bible, we could read along with me in John 3.16. I have the NSAB version, but I'm going to read kind of my translated version. Let's all stand up for the Word of God as I read John 3.16. So, John 3.16, for God loved the world this way, that he gave the Son, the only begotten one, so that all who believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. You may all be seated. And so what makes this scene very meaningful as a believer 
as if you know the entire story of the Bible. Now, many people actually memorize this verse because it, it's kind of like the, the main verse to memorize, the main verse for pretty much the whole entire planet that when they look at Christianity, they're going to see John 3.16, and they kind of attribute that to Christianity or to the Christian faith. And so John 3.16 has not just been the word 316 has not just been a slogan that they put up at whether billboards or or sport events or venues, but it's also a verse that has been very popularized through through the time, and especially with our modern day today, it's been very popularized because people pretty much think that God really loves us and He He gave His Son, and so many people will come to say, "Oh, this wonderful loving God loves us, and that's why He died for us." But this scene right here, it's not really powerful unless you know the whole entire story. And I know the whole entire story because basically if you're looking at God's story from the beginning and the ending, we all know who wins. God wins. So what does this have to do with Nicodemus then? Well, Nicodemus is a religious leader. Nicodemus is also... Um, a teacher, a ruler of the Sanhedrin Council. And Nicodemus tends to understand the law very well. He understands the Old Testament or pretty much the, the Bible of uh, the Jewish people. He understands it very well. But he sees this guy who comes and he does a lot of performances and miracles. And he does and he speaks as if he knew that he, he was... A, you know, God's child, or he had some sort of heavenly relationship. And so Nicodemus decides to one day, one day visit this guy by the name of Jesus. Now, granted the fact that if we know the story well, who was Jesus' opponents, who was the enemies of Jesus, and who was always looking and trying to find reasons to try to talk down on Jesus, try to point on Jesus, trying to, to try to demeanor him, trying to make him feel as if, like, dude, this guy, he's too religious. There's something wrong with him, right? He's a, he's really crazy guy. So Nicodemus came during the night. And he tried to avoid the popular time of the day. He came during the night. He came and meet up with Jesus because he's been knowing that this guy is the hot topic of today's society, right, or, or during that time. So he came and he met Jesus, and Jesus got into a powerful conversation with Nicodemus. So Nicodemus had his good conversation. Now, it wasn't until John, the apostle, or Jesus' disciple, decides to write this story down. And this is kind of my theory, you know, it's not scholars theory, um, but if if I was John, right, if the if John was written around maybe 75 or maybe up to, to 90 at the latest, if John the apostle of Jesus, if he wanted to write this story, I don't think he, he could memorize everything that Jesus told him. I don't think the Holy Spirit cheats and the Holy Spirit's going to, you know, make him write things that he doesn't have knowledge of, right? Because basically he's not prophetically trying to do things. He's really writing the story of Jesus down. I think he had a conversation with Nicodemus. And this part of scriptures in the chapter 3, in the beginning of chapter 3, 
I, I think he talked with Nicodemus and maybe he would have got the story out of Nicodemus. And so John wrote Nicodemus' version of for God so love of the world. So how does Nicodemus understand God loving the world? Makes it very interesting for us to know the whole entire love story of God. We have to know God's entire story. So I'm going to really try to break some simple stuff down for us. It's very easy because in the Greek language, there is this word called hutas. And that's actually an adverb. It's really just the word so, or really we translate it from a King James Version as thus. You could actually really define it as this way or in this manner. So with the English translation from the Greek and the, the, the words that we have today, we tend to look at the word soul without any type of flavor. But what the soul do is it modifies, or the hutas, it modifies the love, which is the agape word that we have for the Greek word here. And so the word hutas modifies it, but what does he really do? And how does Nicodemus understand that? Well, I believe Nicodemus is really looking back and thinking and considering what is Jesus meant when he said to me, God loves the world this way. If you look at the greater context of John 3, that you begin to understand that Jesus told him a story first, or really just kind of demonstrated what God's love or salvation really looks like, the Son, the Savior. As Israelites, so what Jesus was doing is, if I was Jesus, I would say this to Nicodemus. Look, Nicodemus, remember the Israelites that was in the desert. While they were in the desert, they didn't disobey. They were really disobedient to God, and they didn't really follow what God's plan was. And a bunch of snakes came, and snakes bit them, and they were dying. And I told Moses to go build a bronze serpent and hold it up. And now all those who got bitten by snakes would they come and look at that bronze, and if they looked at that bronze snake, they would live. So in one sense, Jesus was telling Nicodemus the story because now Nicodemus is really not thinking, what does heaven look like? How do I get to heaven? If you're from God, you do all this miracle, but the focus is more like on the fact that if Nicodemus, if you're an Old Testament scholar, you're a Pharisee, you're a teacher of the law, you should be knowing that the history of Israel Pointed, especially the whole entire Old Testament, points to points to the the Savior. And so, Jesus would would say, "Look at that, and same thing as the Son of Man is to be lifted up. That is the same thing as well as the serpent is lifted up. Same thing, or likewise, the Son of Man is to be lifted up, so that those who believe shall be saved." In Nicodemus' mind, Nicodemus begins to probably ponder on what does hutas really mean. In this manner, we often hear that for God so loved the world that he sent his son. I think Nicodemus is beginning to understand that for God so loved the world that he created the heavens and the earth. For God so loved the world that... He created Adam. And in the image of Adam, we would be all in the image of God. For God so loved the world that he did not just create Adam, but from Adam, mankind began. 
If I was Nicodemus, I would understand that for God so loved the world, that God declared victory right from the very beginning in the Garden of Eden. This was seen in John, or there's a scene in, in Genesis 3.15 when God's promise came out to the serpent. The very same time that the serpent deceived humanity, that very same time, God declared victory, promising that the seed of the woman will crush the seed of the serpent's head. Nicodemus knows these stories. He memorizes these stories. He actually does expositional researches on these stories because he knows that if the Savior was going to come, the Savior was to fulfill all of the Old Testament. Nicodemus, if I was him, I would understand that for God so loved the world that God picked Noah in the times where nobody wanted to obey God. When you look at scriptures and you see Genesis 6, 6, God looked down and all humanity sinned and he grieved and he was going to destroy humanity again. He was going to completely wipe out the creation that he said that this was very good. But because of God's love, it wasn't why God loved us, but it's how God loved us that he sought that Noah was righteous. And from the ark, which is a type of Savior, not the Savior, but a type of Savior, if I was Nicodemus, I, was, if, if I could reflect back, I could realize or re know that scriptures point at the fact that, wait a minute, God loved the world? And he used the ark to preserve humanity? For God so loved the world that it wasn't just Noah that he used in the ark to preserve humanity, but he called upon a name, a man of the name Abraham. And for God so loved the world that he promised this Abraham that he would be a blessing to the world. If I was Nicodemus, I would remember that scriptures, writes about God's promised blessing, not for the sake of the nation of Israel, but the, for the people of the entire world. During this time, I believe that Nicodemus is, is, is understanding, maybe really like on a, in a, trying to figure out what his theology is compared to what his relationship is with God. We all know that in John 19, Nicodemus went along with Joseph Arimathea, buried the body of Christ. And so hints in the Bible reveals that Nicodemus has probably come to be one of the followers of Jesus, if not, because he's not a 12 disciple. He's probably a disciple that followed Jesus later on. But during this time, his reflection and his growth in Christ probably got became more magnified by seeing the work of Christ, by seeing the death of Christ. And it was the story that he told John. But if I was Nicodemus, I would also understand that for God so loved the world, that it wasn't just Abraham's blessing 
That it wasn't just Noah, Noah's uh, ark and the, the ark that saved humanity and the promise that God gave to the serpent at the garden and God's creation of Adam right from the very beginning of humanity. If I was Nicodemus, I would also understand that for God loves the world this much that he delivered Israel. And this guy that he delivered Israel wasn't, uh, he wasn't even part of the tribe of Judah, but he was of the Israelites, and his name was Moses. And God waited until he was like 80 years old before God really wanted to do something great in him. And the story comes across the history of Israel, very significant and important. And especially if, if I was Nicodemus, this story would have been a big thing to me. Because guess who wrote the Torah? Who wrote the first five books of Israel? In fact, he, he's not just king, priest, but he's also prophet. And of course, they respect Moses and elevated Moses. And they knew that Moses had this relationship with God. And if it wasn't for Moses' ability or his confidence or his obedience to go lead Israel out, they wouldn't have this storyline to follow. So if I was Nicodemus, I would understand that because God loved the world this way, he doesn't have to be a part of the tribe of Judah. He could just be part of the Levites and God could really save humanity from one man's obedience. But it wasn't about a man's obedience. It was about in this matter, this is how God loved the world. Salvation had to still be fulfilled. The storyline of Israel still had to be completed. If I was Nicodemus, I would understand that not just that Moses delivered Israel, that word delivered, not just become delivering from human bondages, but spiritual bondages. But for God so loved the world that he even called upon kings, appointed kings. And granted the fact that the first king was human wanting and desiring, God still anointed his second king. And his name was David. And from his scepter, it would not be passed on to nobody else except through his descendants that will point to scriptures. I mean, that will point to the Savior according to scriptures. If I was Nicodemus, I would understand that if, if God's story is about just how he loves us, it would have been kind of, wow, but we needed a why he loves us. He didn't love us because his love was so big, but it was so that he pointed to scriptures to fulfill. If I was Nicodemus, I would understand that if God loves the world, for if God loves the world, well, there's no if in here other than the word just for. For comes after what was said. What was said earlier prior to that in verse 15 was, he who believes was saved. If I was Nicodemus, I would understand for God to love the world to be that God executed both mercy and forgiveness. When he exiled Israel and he returned to Israel 
back from Babylon, and two, Israel. If I was Nicodemus, I would understand that that just depicts how wonderful our God is. And he's a God that cannot be tolerated in terms of being unholy and unrighteous and all evil. He's a God that will judge against all unrighteousness. He's a God that will, will bring down righteous wrath on those who did not obey. And that's what happened to Israel. But because of his great mercy, not because of this great love, it's just the character of who he is as mercy and fulfilling what his word has been declared since the very beginning of the Garden of Eden. God loved the world this way, that he executed righteous judgment and righteous mercy. So if I was Nicodemus, I begin to see the narratives of my law, of my story, and I begin to see that that is how God loves the world. And I would tend to not think of why God loves the world, but focus and render the spiritual truth to my life of how God loved the world. If I was Nicodemus, I would come to follow Jesus. And Nicodemus, we know that if, if, verses 19 implies, because it's a descriptive passage, to allow us to see the storyline, the narratives, that if Nicodemus followed the 12, followed the new way, by the time John wrote John 3.16 down, Nicodemus had been a full-out, a full-out follower of Jesus. For God loved the world this way, that if I was Nicodemus, I may have not seen it because I wasn't spiritually born yet. Because I didn't understand that going in inside of my mother's womb was totally, it wasn't the point that Jesus was trying to share with me. But the point that Jesus was really sharing with me is, is no one can see the kingdom of heaven unless they're born again with water and spirit. If I was Nicodemus, I would understand. Maybe they didn't call it the church, but they called it the way. They called it the followers of a new way. That the church is called to be the bride of Christ, the body of Christ. Now that didn't really worked in like the days that Jesus left and went to ascend it to heaven. It wasn't built fully developed until Paul came into his leadership in the church. But if I was Nicodemus, I think I would probably slowly pick up on it to realize that, wait a minute, I'm the hands and feet of my Savior. God loved the world. How? By calling me to be the hands of feet. If God loves the world, God called the church, chosen to redeem the people of the church. Not that he wanted to, to leave out 
Israel or looked at Israel to say, you're a lost cause to me. There's a special place for Israel. We all know that. But because God loved the world this way, that the Son, the only begotten one, came so you and I can be saved. So for God to love the world, I like how this Greek word is, where you get the word monogenesis or basically monogene in the Greek word, the only kind, the only kind. Yes, God loved the world that the only kind, the only one, is the only one able to redeem us. So I want to encourage all of us here. I know that with with our greater context of our church, this family, this congregation here, God is doing great things. This is a melting pot for not just an Asian American community, but a community that really can be. For God loved the world. That's why he inserted you here. Plug you here among the people of the world so that by God's love, other people may be redeemed. May God bless you guys, and may he continue to lead and guide you guys. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your words. We thank you for the challenges that Nicodemus endured when he spoke with Jesus. But if God, you love the world, you don't love the world of, of why, of the small little things that we deal in our life with, especially in, with just the way that we, we tend to look at how people should love one another. But how you love us is by fulfilling scriptures. It's by piece by piece, every little part of scriptures, God, it was just easily fulfilled. Because that's ultimately why the word became life. The Word lived among us. The Word came to die for us. So, Father, I pray and I thank you for everything you have done in our lives and especially for your Word to be declared to your people. We pray all this in your Son, Jesus' name. Amen. Let's pray together. appreciated uh, Pastor Dan's um, just unpacking uh, the familiar verse to us um, you know, from the uh, perspective of Nicodemus you know who perhaps um, may have been very familiar with the salvation history and that may speak to uh, many of us here in our church you have heard of um, you know, God's story so that uh, this verse is not an isolated verse uh, but it's in the context of a whole Bible uh, and I think what that can say to us as we try to apply the word of God uh, into our lives I think first of all is uh, how faithful God is uh, to each one of us 
you know, just as you know, God was so faithful uh, to the nation of Israel, so faithful to people who uh, left and right, you know, breaking God's heart uh, through you know, millennia uh, and more. But God still came. So that it says God so loved, and I think of uh, the equivalent in, in the Old Testament for the the word love, which is steadfast love, you know, covenant love, um, you know, loyal love in the Old Testament, and from that love, you know, God gave His Son to us. Um, so could we reflect upon you know God's faithfulness uh, in our lives? In my life, in your life, um, you know, many of us, you know, twenty or thirty years of your life, looking back, you know, God, you know, could have given up on you in your standard, um, but uh, God did not do that. You know, God is moving His story forward uh, in your life uh, through His grace, through His gospel. So could we just uh, bask in that? The ocean of His grace towards us, uh, and as we do that, if I can also ask you to pray um, for the charge that Pastor Daniel gave us uh, to our church. You know, not only do we receive God's grace, that's the fountain of our lives, but from there on, we have a calling uh, as a church, uh, as uh, you know, uh, His hands and feet uh, to be the conduits and uh, agents of. God's grace and His faithfulness to the world around us. Uh, so, could we just pray um, for again, first of all, ourselves, and uh, thanking God for His grace and faithfulness in our lives, and also pray for perhaps individual callings that we have to preach God's gospel and faithfulness in um, other people's lives in our in our lives. So, let's pray, and then I'll close for us. Pray for us, and uh, after I pray, I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Dan to come up again and uh, close in benediction for us. Uh, but let's pray together. Uh, Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for uh, this time. Uh, thank you that uh, we could sit under your word, your unchanging word, uh, that can speak to us in you know every season and any season of our lives. Uh, and thank you for reminding us. Of your steadfast love towards us, uh, our love we admit that can be fickle. Uh, it depends on uh, the situations. It depends on whether we like that person or not. Uh, but your love uh, is unchanging. Um, you know, it's unconditional, uh, and we know that because Jesus came to us uh, even when we're still sinners. Even now, we you know, fall short of your glory every single moment. But you um, move your story forward in our lives, and 
you never give up on us. So Lord, um, we enjoy in Christ um, your amazing love towards us. And may you uh, truly uh, use us now uh, as we receive your grace to be able to uh, represent uh, Christ uh, in the lives of uh, people around us, whether it's uh, our you know, co-workers, uh, family members, um, you know, life group members, and church family, um, or uh, whoever that we encounter in our lives. Uh, help us uh, to be patient. Help us to be um, you know, steadfast um, and forgiving um, with the people that we encounter God. Uh, but thank you so much that we can um, be reminded of this truth and be able to have strength to uh, go on and uh, bless others and live for you. With this benediction, Revelations chapter 1, and John writes it lastly, and he says, Blessed be to you, to him who loves us and freed us from his sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom of priests and to serve his God now and forever to glory to God. Let me pray for you guys. And after that, you guys have a seat. Father, we thank you and we want to just praise you that you are faithful and you remain faithful despite the things we do. May your words continue to lead us, guide us, protect us, and be part of our life until the day that we return, you return. We thank you and we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys be seated for an announcement.